So what a week. What a week we just had. Honestly, in my 45 years here, I'm not sure I've ever experienced anything quite like what's been going on. I've been doing my best to think of a good approximation, and the closest I can come is what happened around the birth of our first child, Austin. It wasn't so much about being afraid or anxious about being a new parent, although had I known then what I know now, maybe I would have been a little more scared about that part of it. Uh, But I think at the time, it was just the fear of not knowing what to expect in the delivery room that really got us pretty anxious. And so we did what intellectual people do, I guess. We went and studied what was going to happen before he came, right? We went to the classes to learn about this thing that was just going to happen no matter what. Um, You you know, we learned about all the physiological stuff that was going to go on in the delivery room. We even learned how to breathe properly. Anybody been through these classes? Right? Then at the end of the classes, we got the diploma, which apparently means we're ready to take a child from the hospital home, which is a whole other terrifying moment. Right? There we were, highly educated people, ready to get this thing done. We studied. We were ready. We practiced. We were ready to go. (laughs) Sarah's labor started very early in the morning. Uh, And we knew it was coming. She kind of had some of those early warning signs. And we got to the hospital, and she was able to kind of endure the first part of that. But when we got to the hospital and got into the room, which was a very long labor, all the way until 11 o'clock at night, the first moment that that contraction came, a real, like, solid, it was just like all that book learning, just right away, right? When that pain hit, there was nothing in the world that could have prepared us for what happened. She was just, you know, obviously, understandably focused on the pain, right? It was very real. It came unexpectedly, even though we knew it was coming. It still showed up when it chose. And nothing I could do to help her remember to breathe seemed to work. In fact, when I stood by her bedside and told her, honey, take a breath, it made her angrier. (laughs) So there I was paralyzed by fear that I was going to upset my wife further in what was supposed to be this magical moment. Paralyzed. I'm here next to her, but I felt like I was a mile away. This is, in fact, where I was this past week, paralyzed by fear. What does this mean as a husband... To a, to a wife who has critical autoimmune challenges, what does it mean to be a dad to growing kids? What does it mean as a person who has diabetes and cancer? How do I continue to live into my vocation as pastor and keep myself and my family safe? How do I proclaim things that make us feel like God is present when it seems like the message out there is the opposite? It, paralyzed is how I felt this week. For somebody who's a fixer, this is a really tough place to be. How do we do this? How do we step out in faith into the uncertainty of what's happening? I know I've said it before from right here. Matter of fact, my feet are, I think, in about the same position right here the last time I said it. How do we approach the unknown as people of faith? 
we have got the greatest gift of all about how to approach the unknown together. We have Scripture. Why is that such an amazing gift? Because when our faith gets rattled, we have a whole entire library full of stories of people like you and me who stared down into the unknown, who wondered if God was going to be present, who wondered what God was up to, who experienced then something amazing and holy in those moments where they were feeling doubt and fear and uncertainty, and then made it through to the other side and shared those stories with us, with thousands of generations of people, so that when we're in their same shoes, we get an idea and remember that just like them, God promises to be by our side too. It's a gift to have Scripture to accompany us on a place like this. Today, we had some pretty great stories. I'm not going to preach on the Samaritan woman at the well story, though that is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. I'm going to walk us through the first three readings today, and let's, let's invite them in and hear what they have to say to us about this place. Let's start with the reading from Exodus this morning. Those people that followed Moses out into the desert, they knew fear all too well. They had been living under the hand of a mighty and terrible Pharaoh who hated them, who was scared of them as well, but that Pharaoh used them as slaves. And the people of Israel learned to trust in the cruelty of that Pharaoh and to rely on him completely for everything. He ruled out of fear. And yet, in this moment, the people cried out to God. They felt like God had abandoned them. They cried out to God, remember us, please deliver us from this hardship. And God heard the prayer and answered the prayer and sent this guy who was really uncertain about his call, who was scared himself, who didn't think he could talk to people, who didn't think people would believe him when he showed up and said, God's going to set you free. Who was that guy? Anybody remember? Moses. Yeah. God answered through a regular, ordinary person to show up out there and say, God is still working here. God is going to set you free. And God showed the people just how amazing He could be. Through the plagues, through through the deliverance, through the Red Sea, the people got to see how powerful God really was. They got to witness it, more powerful even than that Pharaoh that they were so scared of. They saw how God answered their pleas. They saw how God heard their prayers. And on the other side of the sea, as they're rejoicing, the people promised, we're going to follow you, God. You've got this. We're in line with you. God said, I'm going to be your God. And they said, yea, us, we're there. And almost immediately, the people started to complain. Immediately. Right away. Today's story is a little slice of that, right? In today's story, we hear them complaining, but I think it it relates to our time here because they're complaining about something that's very real. They were thirsty. They got out there into the desert, and they said, hey, Moses, did you bring us and our families and our livestock out here to make us die of thirst? Physical need. They even wondered out loud, is the Lord even with us here? So what does Moses do as their leader? He does the one thing that we've got in our arsenal that we can hang on to. He prays. He cries out to God and says, what 
what am I supposed to do with these people? You put me in charge of them, what do I do? There's no water around here. And as the story goes, God answers, God provides, God is faithful and worthy of our trust. This is something that we hear as well in the psalm today. Morgan sang what is uh, the psalm that we call the Venite. It takes a centerpiece of a daily prayer setting for us that stretches back thousands of years. Throughout time, Christians have gathered at different points in the day for prayer, morning, noon, and evening. They get together, they come together and pray. And this Venite is the centerpiece of the morning prayer. It's a chance for us to come together and to remind ourselves before the day even gets started that God is God and we are not. It's a chance for us to, to find ourselves at God's feet in prayer. And when fear and anxiety and doubt and uncertainty are swirling around us, we're called to do as generations have done before, to come to God's feet. That word venite means to come into God's presence, to worship. Yeah, it might be to worship here in this beautiful sanctuary. It might be to worship and go to God in prayer at work. It might mean to go to God in prayer at home. We're called to come to God and worship. We're come to worship God and remember that God is faithful in and through all things, even when it's tough for us to do that on our own. The psalmist says, In your hands are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours because you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. In you, Lord, this place came into being. In your gracious and merciful grasp, this place is still held together by you. The psalm continues, Come, let us worship and bow down. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of God's hand. Come and walk the well-worn path of thousands of generations of saints whose stories sound an awful lot like ours do. Saints who were scared by what was going on in the world. Saints who did the one thing that they could do when everything else around them seemed out of control. They went into God's presence and they prayed. In the reading from Romans today, Paul lays out for us what I think are some of the most challenging words as people of faith to hear. He says, when life is going easy, faith is a pretty easy thing to do. But he uses these next words to cut through the the haze of doubt and the fog of fear that we are encompassing us right now. He says, suffering. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Why? Because God's love has already been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's already there. Why are these difficult to hear? because it means that our faith has the best opportunities to grow in hardship, and nobody wants to have that happen, least of all me. Our faith gets a chance to flourish in the face of the unknown, because faith exists in the unknown. But faith, God's faithfulness in Christ, is what pulls us through that unknown, because it always keeps us looking forward. Hope always looks forward. 
We study the stories of these characters from Scripture. We get used to them. We hear them a lot. We hear a lot about them. We memorize them. We remember them when we are called upon. We learn about them when we're young. We encounter them when we're old. We get to hear them over and over. Why? Because it's easier to study those things when things aren't going crazy. But yet, as soon as the anxiety, that fear hits, sometimes it's just too easy to focus on what's right in front of us and we forget to breathe. We forget that God's breath is already in you. And yet, in the core of these terrifying moments, we still hear that very soft, still, quiet voice of God, which is already present in your hearts, telling you that God is with you, even as painful or scary as things are getting. This little bit of the gospel helps you take just one more step forward. We learn from the stories of others. We latch onto them and we take a step at a time. Because that's what people who came before us did. That's what we learn from those ancestors in the faith. Hope in God is always forward-looking. Hope in God's faithfulness is like the hand of God leading us forward through the unknown, through the uncertain. Do I know what's going to happen tomorrow? No. I never have. None of us do. But we get an opportunity to step out in faith each and every morning and to meet it with God by our side. And when the dust settles from all this stuff that's happening out here right now and happening around us and happening in our families, whatever that future holds for us, we can embrace it together with God at our side always. It's the only way for us to make our way through these terrifying days that face us with uncertainty and doubt at every moment. We face it together out there in the world as Christ to that same world. Don't lose heart. We hear over and over again, don't be afraid, but don't lose heart. Grab tightly a hold of the promise of God's abiding and steadfast love for you in and through all all things, even this. May God's peace, which we have in Christ, grace your walk this week and into the future. And may the faithfulness of God in Christ continually enlighten your path, whichever way it takes you, each and every day. Amen.